Jersey Arts the Podcast. I'm Susan Wallner. Terrell Alvin McCraney writes plays that give voice to a part of America that most theatergoers tend to forget, or want to forget. Now 28 years old, Terrell grew up gay in the Miami of the 1980s and 90s, with a preacher grandfather, a drug-addicted mother, and a brother who ended up in jail. This is the world his plays are about, lyrical, dangerous, and permeated with references from the Bible and Yoruban mythology. In the Red and Black Water and The Brothers' Size are two of Terrell's plays that have electrified audiences here and abroad. The McCarter Theater is presenting both of these, along with a world premiere of Marcus or The Secret of Sweet, in a trilogy called The Brother-Sister Plays. This first-ever production of the trilogy was selected for a $90,000 award from the National Endowment for the Arts for New Play Production. I talked to Terrell early in the rehearsal process for the brother-sister plays. He had just returned from London two days earlier, where he's the playwright-in-residence at the Royal Shakespeare Company. I asked him what it was like to work at the McCarter. Well, the McCarter Theater is, I mean, even theaters um, abroad, have said this of their reputation. They put their money where their mouth is. They just, they're the kind of theater that says we're interested in cultivating new work and giving it a home and giving it life and um, and bringing in the theater of tomorrow, ushering in the theater of tomorrow while celebrating the past as well. And they do it. They do it. I mean, that's, it sounds simple, <laughs> but it really isn't. And the fact that they can they can maintain that that they put they they really go to the line with that is um, not only impressive but honorable. And so what it means is that there, for me, is is something that I do all the time. Is I say they they've given me a home here, they've given me um, a great deal of support and a great deal of not just uh, financially but artistically. Uh, which is more important because you you think to yourself, oh well, then give them some money and then let them run away. And it's actually uh, no, I need space, I need time, I need uh, to be able to talk to people. I need um, uh, it's a very collaborative work, and if you don't find good collaborators, then you're <laughs> you're basically up the creek because you'll you'll end up because you can't. It's almost impossible to produce theater, good theater, solo all by oneself um, and it's also boring because the actual act of theater in the first place is this communicating with a, a group of people and so it's really boring to sort of create this thing on one's own and just have one's vision it's it's so much better when when everybody comes to the table and brings a piece of themselves you're working here at the McCarter on um, a production of the three of your plays that you see as a trilogy together. What is it that links them? What makes you see them as part of a of a bigger whole? Uh, the vocabulary in which they use, the theatrical vocabulary in which they use. They have devices in them that are all very similar to the same. They use music in, a, in the same way. For instance, the actors speak stage directions directly to the audience. Uh, and not that that doesn't happen in my other plays, but it doesn't happen in the same way. The, the story the story isn't moved uh, without these actors telling the st telling the audience stage directions. They have complete control over the um, over the movement of the story, and um, the place in which it takes place. There's a there's a fictional town that uh, that was created 
um, that these characters all live in or come from. So um, that links them because they all are linked uh, familially. They're all um, either their brothers and sisters or cousins or related to or next door neighbors to or best friends of so and so. And they um, and they're all about um, they're all essentially about family and community. So um, at the end of the day. They are they are the brother sister plays because they are at the core about that about those uh, relationships and how they change and the the love and or um, things that come between those relationships. What is it? I know that you use. Um, I mean, a lot's been written about the fact that you use this Yoruban mythology, mm -hmm. or you know, sort of a, in a loose way, the the characters of Ogun and Shango mm -hmm. in brother in the brother size. Is this something that you were aware of when you were growing up in Florida, or is this something that you came to later? Um, I was I was made aware of of the link between African and uh, and uh, your Western European religions early on by living in Miami. Miami, uh, it's funny. I went to a high school called New World School of the Arts, and it's it's always been funny to me that Miami and the Caribbean have thought to be the the entry of the new world um and but in that that new world uh there's such a mixture of of old world religions and new world religions and or just mixtures of 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 two it's where two um two worlds collide I think and make something absolutely new and for me that is the story of America um whether we like to own it or not, it's the story of what what America really is. It's it's the story of all of these different places sort of coming, converging, overlapping, and making up something new. Even though um, at the root of it, there we are we we remind ourselves that we're all human. We look at these stories, these intricate myths, and they all actually point back to very similar things. So it's it's not actually what I. Um, it's actually n less about what I knew about those stories and what they knew about me. August Wilson has a has a um, has a quote. Someone asked him about uh, you know that he's not actually African or or uh, he his father was white and what does he actually know about Africa? Why does he write these stories about these African American experiences? Um, why is Africa used such imagery in his plays? And he said it's not uh, what I know about Africa. It's what Africa knows about me, and it's. For me, it's the same thing. It's not what I actually know about these stories. It's about what they unfold to me, what they say to me, and what they what they tell me about myself and about human nature. And the same thing. And the same thing was interesting to me about you take a myth like Ogun, and actually, if you look at it, it's it's very similar, or if not the same trope as uh, Hephaestus and Ares. Um, Ogun and Ochusi are in Western Greco-Roman terms, Hephaestus and Ares, or Vulcan and Ares, um, Mars and Ares, um, two brothers, both gods, one of a smith, the other a warrior, um, and their interaction and how they fight over a woman, how they have fights over a woman. I mean, all of these, these similarities um, sort of bubble up. And the reason those similarities are there is because we, because at the end of the day, all of us are searching for truth. All cultures build a cosmology trying to seek out answers um, that are beyond our complete understanding. So we try to tack them down in human things. And um, 
And it is in that search that I'm most interested in. It's not about the answers that we find, because more often than not, we end up saying, you know, no, Helios does not drive the sun across the sky. But in that myth, there is something we are searching for. Um, there, there are many teachers, Peter Brook being one of them, who says that plays should do um, what the Sanskrit says, which is that they should do three things at once. One is that they should be seeking out the mystic. They should be seeking out God. The other is that they should be dealing with human interactions, the day-to-day human interactions. And the last thing is they should be entertaining for the drunkard or the fool. And those three things are tough jobs, but they should all be doing them at the same time. And so I feel like when I, when I go to a play, I, I look at how, um, how those myths, how these stories oftentimes did all those things. They were entertaining, certainly, because they told about, they were told in very, uh, they were told or- orally, and then they were told about gods and, and their search for something great, but it also told about their interactions with human beings, or their, as human beings. And for me, it's, it's all about, it's, that's what um, the, the world of the play should feel like. And the actors should feel like they're both searching out something mystic and unknowable, but at the same time, they're dealing with something that they've dealt with all their lives, which is human relationships. And also, it's in, that they are fully, at all times, entertaining and talking to the audience. That they are not somewhere else, they're not um, behind a TV screen, they're not... You know, they're not shooting this in one take and going off to uh, Mexico to get their toes painted or anything. They're actually sitting in the room with the, uh, the audience and going through this story at the same time, which makes the experience full and rounded, I think. That was a really um, interesting tangent there. I thought it was great. <laughs> the, um, but it actually does bring me around to a question that I wanted to ask, mm-hmm. which was, you know, you're working in the theater. Mm-hmm. And I know that you were involved in dance and as an actor before. Mm-hmm. What is it about these sort of esoteric arts that in this day and age, so many people are even questioning, you know, whether these things deserve to be supported or mm-hmm. to continue to exist in the way that they've done when there's so much pretty good popular culture out there, maybe? Well, that's the funny thing is that I think, I think theater is, is a popular art. The thing about the, th- of the theater in America that's different from theater elsewhere um, is that uh, we, we constantly uh, make theater an elite form to be understood by a certain class of people who have been inoculated in the understanding of theater or what theater does and can do. Um, but what theater does on a, on, a level, on a level that surpasses class and or um, even an elite form Social economic status, as it were, is invite people to believe in something that they cannot see in a room together um, in the now. Television, which is great. I mean, I, I love television. I'm a box set junkie. I sort of go out and get these box sets of shows and watch them all the time. Or, and I love films. I mean, I, in the past two months, I've seen more films than I probably have in my whole life. But, um, and the experiences there are absolutely different. They're cheaper, so they become popular. But they, they, they do, the things that they do are t- absolutely different. Television has this ability to, within our own sort of comfort zone, bring into our world something else, something different, something strange and foreign. And people like that feeling. They like the feeling of being in their secure um, 
uh, area and then something foreign happening, something foreign being taken or being introduced to something else. It's a passport. In film, when we go see films, uh, we are going to a strange place and being whisked away to somewhere else. In the theater, it is not about that whisking away. What it is is about an endeavor deeper into oneself, but also into other people with the people around you, conversations that you're having with people who are actually there. And so for a long time, what we've done in the theater is we've told the audience, actually, we don't want you to be here. Pretend you're not here. Pretend we're not here. Just that there's some divide between us. And the more we continue that divide, I think, the more we continue to say to an audience, actually, we would be doing this if you weren't here. Do you know? And, and you can go off and, you know, you can go off and watch television or film and, and feel the same sort of distancing. And what, what I've tried to do, and what many, I think, artists have learned, and it's not, it's not new, it's old. The, the tribal thing about theater is that people sat around and said, hey, <laughs> I'm going to tell you this story. And you said, oh, okay, there was an agreement, there was a pact made. And then I'm going to say, well, actually, I can't bring in the Sahara Desert, so you're going to have to imagine that um, this carpet is the Sahara Desert. And you go, okay. And it, together we're imagining and believing in something else. And that believing together in something that we cannot really see is faith. And that's what makes theater holy and powerful, because you are agreeing to go with me somewhere. And that, when, when can you think of, uh, there are very few places in our society today that we get together and make such pacts. That we, I say something. I say, now in my hand I have the magic potion. And you believe me. Or you trust me enough to say, okay, yeah, he has the magic potion. And what that will do and how it will transform the rest of this story. And for that hour and a half, two hours, three hours, you believe that they are on the South Pacific Ocean and that they are, you know, um, in World War II. And it's not because the set is that great, because no matter how great the set is, it can never be that. But you imagine it. And that suspense, that, uh, that disbelief, and that um, being suspended, and that uh, contract between human beings is what is powerful about the, about the theater. And it is, the only, it is one of the few places in art that we get to do that. And so that, the more we invest in that, the more we allow that to happen, we will draw more men onto us. We will draw more people onto the theater. We will draw more. It will. It can be more popular. I mean, I'm, I remember in Atlanta when we did in the red and brown water. Um, we would be sitting there, and the the actors talk to the audience. They say directly to the audience what they're going to do next, and the audience will talk back. They would speak back and say no or yes or you tell them or this and that. And this is something that. If it happened in, um, you know, a, a more stush Broadway house, people would go, shh, be quiet. But I, but I hear people all the time saying, oh, August Osage was the best time ever. Probably because it was a time when they felt like they were talking back to the, audi to the audience. They were, they were engaged in a way that they felt like they were actually there, that this show could not happen without you being here. If you leave, if you're not here, this doesn't happen. The connection that I would turn out and speak actually doesn't happen because I can do it to the door, but the door isn't you. But if I turn out and say, and now I'm going to do this, and I look directly in your eyes, that only happens because you're here. So we need you here. That kind of importance, that kind of you have to be here in order for it to happen, is what the theater can do and has done for many, many years. The, further, the more we remove ourselves from that, the more we distance ourselves from that kind of um, invigorate, invigorating notion, um, 
the more we tell our audiences that it really doesn't matter if you show up or not, we're going to do this, um, then we get responses like, should this even be funded? Um, you know, the theater, this kind of theater saved my life as a kid. Um, it was, it was doing, it was doing work in the theater for other kids my age, talking about issues that I thought important, that I knew were important about drugs, HIV awareness, um, 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 just self-esteem in general, and talking about them in ways that were gritty and dangerous, but also at all times recognizing that they were right there in front of me and not doing them in a theater space with columns and, you know, that, but going onto the street corner and having to be able to pull that attention in. And that, that kind of theater shows you, shows you what kind, what theater needs to be. It needs to be, um, tough and strong and powerful and, and fully invested. Because if you do theater on a street corner, you don't have the lights to dim down to say, everybody be quiet now. You don't have the spotlight to, to, to pop on and say, oh, focus on this. All you have is yourself. All you have is your body in the space to draw that attention to you and to draw that trust to you. And so you have to be in a place of extreme vulnerability and confidence in that vulnerability. It's almost a dichotomy that must exist. And so that kind so for me it's that kind of work that will bring not just um not just a, a population of people who are, who loved uh, the theater of old who are slowly um uh, dying away, which is what happens. We all die as human beings, and there's a there's a population of people who love theater in a sort of golden age, and that's great. But un- if we don't replace those butts in the seats, if we don't bring in a new audience, we also lose the new artists. We also new- lose the new playwrights, the new designers, the new directors, the new voices, and we continue to repeat ourselves um, until that dwindles away and becomes um, of the past. Well, when you said that it saved your life and that you you were talking about doing theater on the street corner, mm-hmm. was this when you were a teenager? I mean, what was no, the, yeah, what was your first experience of theater where you felt like, wow, this is this is what you think of as when like your ideal of theater? Well, I've been in theater all my life. That's, that's the, I think the hard, the sad part about it is that I don't think I've ever had a job that wasn't in the theater. I mean, I've I've done theater or acting or performing in that way since I was about five. Um, and I, the recognition of it is always, the learning and the recognition of what theater can be has been concurrent always from going to church and doing church plays at church or watching my grandfather preach in church or um, to, and that, and again, you could, like, like I said, there's few places where we, we're asked to believe in something we cannot quote unquote see. Church is one of them. And to me, I said to me, even now I say to myself, oh, my God, the parallels are very similar. And it doesn't it doesn't. It is not a mistake and or um, coincidence that Greek theater was holy or that African theater uh, was holy or that even at some point um, Christ, the, the, the sort of passion plays where ho- there was a holy intent to them, because what theater does is is exactly that it asks you to evoke something you cannot see in them and um and not to say that we meet, we must go back to um the benediction in 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 theater but there are thing there is a search for things that are beyond us that must still go on in the theater but we don't really give give theater the credit that it is it's really hard the 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 money is not the, the same there's tons of people who cannot you know make a living doing theater but yet they do Yet they strive to. Yet they, 
because and it and because the work is what's the reward. If it weren't for the if it weren't for the the work being the reward, then then easily where uh, theater would have become something of the past. But it's definitely it's something that feeds you in a way that it, nothing else does. Terrell Alvin McCraney's trilogy, The Brother-Sister Plays, runs at the McCarter Theater in Princeton from April 24th through June 2009. There will be six marathon days where all three plays will be presented. Check jerseyarts.com or mccarter.org for more details. I'm Susan Walner. Thanks for listening. Jersey Arts, the podcast, is a production of State of the Arts. Watch it on NJM Public Television, Fridays at 8.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 11.30 p.m. Individual stories can be seen anytime on njn.net. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts is pleased to co-produce State of the Arts. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts, encouraging excellence in the arts since 1966. Additional support was provided by the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation, supporting cultural, educational, and environmental initiatives that make our world more livable.